For he touched me, oh, he touched me, and all the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made. Since I met this blessed Savior And since He cleansed and made me whole I will never cease to praise Him I'll shout in my eternity mentioned with Matt being here his mother Christy is here and Christy has been you know we say we talk trash a lot about her Matt we do but she has been with him for a large percentage of since the 3rd of July going above and beyond the call of duty and should win a mother of the year award as far as I'm concerned and so Christy we're glad that you're here too you didn't know I could be so nice to you did you that was surprising wasn't it it was 1977, the year I graduated high school. I'm guessing the month was May. My dad was pastor here, and I was graduating high school, and at that time, they were lining up everyone that was graduating to give their plans. And so dad would have a microphone, no cordless microphones in those days. It was be on a cable and was walking around to the kids saying, tell us who you are and what you're going to do. And so I'm so-and-so and I'm going to go to the University of Georgia. Or I'm so-and-so and I'm going to go to Georgia Tech. Or I'm so-and-so and I've got a job working for whatever. And then he got to me. And he really wanted to know what I was going to do. Because I had no clue. And he was very interested in me leaving because for graduation, for my gift, I got luggage and an alarm clock. <laughs> I mean, what's the signal there? Get up and get out was basically the signal. And so when he got to me and he put the microphone in my head, and, and this is a quote, I said, I'm David Shivers and I'm going somewhere sometimes. That's all I knew. 
I had no clue what I was going to do. So between high school and my freshman year of college, I worked for a year downtown Atlanta for a law firm called Hansel Post, Brandon, and Dorsey. I was a gopher. They would hand me papers, and I'd walk them all over Atlanta and get on the MARTA maybe and ride places and file things. And I was just an errand boy, really. But I got to know a lot of lawyers. This was, at the time, I think maybe the biggest firm in Atlanta. And I got to know a lot of important people. And so my brother Donnie was an attorney. And I thought, well, I'll be a lawyer. That's what I'll do. I'll go to school for law. So I went to Mississippi State to study pre-law, and that was my plan. How many people entering their freshman year end up doing what their plan was? Dennis, from a young age, good for him, but God had other plans. And so when I got there, one thing led to another, and I was called to preach in college. I knew in my early 20s that's what God wanted me to do. And so a decision had to be made. Thy kingdom come or my kingdom come. We all wrestle with that, don't we? And so after college, we went to seminary. Jeannie and I. Taylor was little. And when we were in seminary, I worked for Lowe's. We had to make some money as a student. And I worked at Lowe's. And while at Lowe's, I met a man and we became friends and He wanted me to open up a business with him, a woodworking store. And I like woodworking. And that's a manly thing to do, to open up a store with tools and things like that. He was very wealthy and I was very tempted. But it was clear what I needed to do. God had not called me to run a woodworking store. God had called me to do something else. And I had to say no. God had a plan for my life, and I didn't want to commit mutiny and jump ship. I needed to stay on course. And that's where we come to today in the Lord's Prayer. We get to that three-word phrase that we say all the time and wonder maybe what it means, thy kingdom come. I began telling you about my life and some decisions that I made when we pray thy kingdom come because When we pray that prayer, thy kingdom come, we have to be willing to pray another prayer, which is my kingdom go away. Thy kingdom come and mine go away. Before we go further, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for teaching us to pray for the model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples and to us through your word. And Father, maybe as a routine, we've prayed thy kingdom come thousands of times, hundreds of times. Today, teach us what it means and help us to pray it and mean it as we pray it. In Jesus' name, amen. The phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is used a lot in the New Testament. Kingdom of God occurs 68 times in 10 different books and kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times, and only in the Gospel of Matthew is it said the kingdom of heaven. They really mean the same thing. In fact, Jesus used them interchangeably in a story that you know from Matthew 19. This is what Jesus said to his disciples after his conversation with the rich young ruler. Remember the the young man that was kind of interested in Jesus, but when Jesus told him, you've got to choose between me and your kingdom, mine and yours, the rich ruler went away. 
Jesus said this to the disciples, beginning at verse 23 of Matthew 19. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it'll be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Here in two verses, Jesus says kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God meaning the same thing. And what Jesus means here is that like the rich young ruler, if your stuff is first, if your life is first, you're most interested in your own kingdom and you're going to have a hard time. Doesn't mean rich people won't get into heaven. It's just if you have something in your way. Today, when we use the word kingdom, we're usually talking about a place, a geographical location, like the kingdom of Nepal or the United Kingdom or the magic kingdom in Orlando, if you will. But in Jesus' day, the word kingdom meant the rule or the reign, not necessarily the geography. It was the place uh, or, or the rule of the reign that a king exercised wherever he was. So the kingdom of God is his ruling, is his reigning. So it came to earth 2,000 years ago. Jesus showed us how to live 2,000 years ago when the kingdom of God came to earth. And when he left, he said he would return. We call that the second coming because he's already come once. And so right now, and you already know this, we live in between these two events. We live between the first coming and the second coming. The first when he showed us how to live, the second when he checks and sees how we did. And I don't have to tell you between the first coming and the second coming, we live in a time of tension. We're keenly aware that there's another kingdom. And the Bible plainly speaks of this. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. There's the other kingdom. He's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So we're on one side or another, two kingdoms. 1 John 5, 19 puts it this way. We know that we are God's children and that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. So you make a choice to be God's, part of his kingdom, or part of the other. So there are two kingdoms. But you know this without reading the Bible, don't you? You can feel it. You can see it. We're always torn. All of us have the potential of being extremely holy and extremely righteous or extremely unholy and extremely unrighteous. I want to look at a perfect illustration that Jesus gave of this choice of kingdoms, a familiar story that you likely know well. Luke tells it in chapter 15. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to sh you to share, uh, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and he wasted all of his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, 
At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home and say to my father, Father, I've sinned against you, heaven, and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. The son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. And so the party began. That's our choice every day, isn't it? Go our own way and get into all sorts of who knows what or stay close to the Father and live the life we need to live. I want to do an experiment real quick. I'm going to give you 20 seconds. I want you to close your eyes for 20 seconds and just say a prayer for someone, something starting now. All right, that's 20 seconds. I, it's, I'm kind of scared to have people close their eyes. During, open them up, make sure your neighbor's awake here. We've all likely done this. You could be on 285 in traffic, sitting. Don't do this going, but if you're sitting, it's okay. Maybe you're in the middle of Times Square. Maybe you're seated on an airplane. Maybe it's at a test or in an emergency room or on a battlefield. It does not matter where you are, the kingdom of God is that close. Do you understand why we did that? Do you understand the purpose of that? God and your connection to him is as simple as us focusing. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, no matter what kind of a noise is around us, we've all likely done this by instinct just to stop and close our eyes and connect with something much bigger than where we are. And we have to admit, at other times in this messed up world, the kingdom seems far away, doesn't it? We watch the news, we hear the stories, we have difficulties, and it seems oh so far away. Some Bible scholars call this tension between the already the word already, aspect of God's reign when Jesus came, the first coming, and the not yet, the second coming, when he will come, and Revelation talks about that, Daniel talks about that, the Gospels talk about that. So you and I are living between the already and the not yet. Does that make sense? And it gets frustrating. And it gets tough because we've seen the kingdom of God and what Jesus can do in healing and in touching and in just making people filled with God's spirit. And we know he's coming back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But right now we are somewhere in the middle. And it's interesting because as Christians, our sins are already forgiven. Yet because we live in the middle, we still struggle. 
Through Jesus, our salvation is guaranteed and we're promised complete healing and restoration when Christ comes again. But because we're in the middle, our bodies get sick and we struggle with doubts and fears and there we are. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're not asking for the already part. He already came. We're looking forward to the not yet part. We're asking God to come back and take over. In the meanwhile, we live behind enemy lines in occupied territory. At the moment, there are two kingdoms, and the kingdom that's in operation right now doesn't like the kingdom that's coming. In his classic book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis talked about this, and he said, Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And that's what you do as a Christian. And I like that because you belong to a kingdom that's not of this earth. When the world curses, you bless. When the world takes, you give. When the world worries, you pray. When the world hates, and we live in a hateful world, don't we? It's depressing to watch. When the world hates, you love. When the world complains, you praise. It is your choice. And it's interesting, when we close our eyes, if it's in prayer, we're connected to the kingdom. If we close our eyes and throw up our hands in frustration, thinking of all the negative stuff that's gone on, we're going down the rabbit hole we should never go down. It's your choice. And so that's why we pray your kingdom come because that's what we want to belong to. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 put it this way. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Part of the prayer, thy kingdom come, your kingdom come, is a longing that we as Christians should have for Christ to return. Come, Lord Jesus. But until then, in the in-between, between the already and the not yet, pray that your kingdom will come. Does that mean the same thing as thy will be done? Well, you're going to have to come back next week to find out, aren't you? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being that close. All we have to do is stop and focus, and there you are. So, Father, while we have you, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your values and that your expectations would fill our lives and fill this world. What a different world it would be if everyone lived by kingdom principles. Father, help us to do that with our thoughts, with our deeds, with our words, with every aspect of our being. Let us live in opposition to the mess that's on this planet. Let us live in loyalty to you. Bless us this week as we're in between. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you this week as you are behind the enemy lines. Keep your heads up.